is like when you analyze kind of that section of the Bible, it's really interesting. Adam was standing there the whole time. And I know you know that. Yeah. But Adam was standing next to Eve the whole time this happened, Mm -hmm. which is like, I guess, commonly left out or not discussed, or at least in my life. But that whole chaos theory crumbles because... Hello, and welcome back to week nine of, wait, yeah, no, this is week nine and episode nine, it works, of Lessons Learned. I'm Dylan. And I'm Evan. And uh, we're so glad that you're joining us on our, the beginning of our third month. I'm really not having a great start here, am I? (laughs) That's fine. It's going to be a great episode regardless. Okay, cool. Um, Before we get started diving into this uh, real quick, we just wanted to chat about some of the comments and stuff we've actually been getting on our videos recently. Yeah. So most of them have been not great. Um, (laughs) A lot of them pretty much been outright hate comments. Um, Just so you guys know, we are responding to all of them that we think have some substance to them and where we can have kind of a genuine conversation with people. Um, And we're kind of just, we think the best way to go about it is just ignore the ones that are purely hateful and have nothing really to say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing, um, that I wanted to say was, um, we kind of saw this coming. We knew this was going to come, um, and it doesn't inherently bother us. I mean, yeah, it's a little disappointing that so many people are just, I guess, bothered by what we're doing. But, um, to quote Jesus, um, what he says in Matthew 10, 22, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Um, and this isn't to sound pretentious or anything. This is just to acknowledge that we knew this was going to come. We're prepared for it. We're not going to take things to heart. Um, and I mean, ultimately, we wish, we wish everyone the best of luck. And we hope that, you know, you're open to having a good discussion because we'd love to discuss with people um, and answer questions, especially questions in opposition of what we say, because I think those are always interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we're not. We're never trying to make claims about things we don't know about. We're really just trying to explore um, how Christians' perspective works for new ideas. So if you're bringing on new ideas, that's great. That's exactly what we want. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, we are going off the top of our head here. Yeah. Um, This isn't rehearsed. This isn't scripted. Clearly. (laughs) So, I mean, mean, come on. We're in our early 20s. We're going to make mistakes. We don't know everything. And we're not claiming to know everything. But we're just trying to give our best perspective, I guess, our personal perspectives and our best foot forward in this. Um, I guess with that all being said, are you ready? I am ready. Then let's delve into some Jordan Peterson. Sweet. It should be so fun. Um, he said with great enthusiasm. Yeah, well, it's going to be kind of like last week. There's a lot of stuff that we can understand mm-hmm. is misinterpreted from the Bible. So just be prepared for it, I guess. Sure. 
Um, we don't start off with that, though. We'll start off on a good note um, for this section. The first quote I'm bringing up, um, he's still talking about the unknown, just for people that don't know. Uh, we've kind of been going through the major archetypes and mythologies, according to Peterson. So we've talked about the Ouroboros, which was like the unknown before any knowns existed. Um, we talked about, did we talk about the Great Father? The, in what regards? Kind of. I think we well, did with... We've talked about the father, the mother, and then the like, the son, the knower, the in-between. Yeah, I don't think... Because right now we're doing deep dives. So yeah, no, we haven't yet. Okay. We talked about the Enuma Eilish, yes. the Marduk thing, and we talked about Osiris and Horus. And those kind of were precursors to his deep dives. So we've touched on all these ideas before. Um, so if you want some background, I'd go and recommend watching the past couple episodes so you can be caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, today's gonna focus is going to be about the Great Mother. Mm. Oh boy. Yes. So And she's part of the unknown. Okay. Um, as he'll talk about, so this stuff will make sense. Tea break. But he's going to start off just talking about the unknown in general. Okay, cool. So this first quote, the nature of the unknown as such must become represented in order to design action patterns which are broadly suited for response to what cannot yet and cannot eternally be predicted or controlled. So pretty much the point that he's making here is that we have to be able to respond to the unknown and like have set actions that we know we can take against the unknown mm-hmm. without actually knowing what it is. Does that make sense? Like you have to know how to deal with something unexpected, even though it's unexpected and you're not going to be expecting it. Yes. Okay. I don't know why it took me so long to grasp. Maybe it was just because we got back from that worship concert and I'm still just kind of like jamming in my head. Understandable. To be completely honest Understandable. with you. <laughs> so does that make sense yeah yeah it, like you if you go through life never preparing yourself to like encounter unexpected things then you're always going to be way more unprepared for things than like you ought to be right and yeah. i think I, he'd probably go as far as saying that we can't not have some sort of pattern for the unknown i would say so for sure because i mean breaking it down to like very very simple things like when we're like little little mm-hmm. and we like fall or get hurt we're like totally shocked so right. like little tiny things it's like oh that is like a small amount of pain that's horrible mm-hmm. but like now like i'll be working on you know like the motorcycle like we were today and i'll like cut my finger i'll be like oh well yeah like it hurts but yeah. it's not gonna stop me so i think it's just like well and prepared then- for that Part of, I think, learning the action pattern is the little kid will look to their parents for what to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, if the parents freak out about the kid falling, the kid's going to freak out. Yeah. And if they, like, laugh about it, then the kid's going to think laugh. it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way to teach kids is just to kind of laugh. Because, like, yeah, like, I and I totally get being in tremendous pain. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's so much better just to kind of laugh it off or mm-hmm. just kind of be like, is it? is this going to hinder my abilities to do things? Right. No, then I'm just going to like breathe through it. I'll take it a little easier, but just keep going. It usually, yeah. usually end up better off for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he, he talks a little bit about how these myths aren't, they're not coming from like one particular person mm-hmm. in his mind, um, which maybe is generally true. Okay. But here's the quote he says, and I'm, I don't think I have to explain it, 
if I do let me know, but I kind of just want to see your reaction to it. So just give your thoughts. Okay, I'm going to focus this time. Uh, The devil is not the product of the particular Christian. It is more accurate to note that the figure of the devil, or Christ for that matter, uh, inhabits the mind of the Christian and of all Christians, and that such habitation occurs as the consequence of transpersonal social and historical processes operating almost completely beyond the realm of individual control. You're going to have to explain this, the latter okay. part. It got a bit wordy at the end. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure, I'm guessing you understand it all the way to, like, the habitation occurs as a consequence of... I mean, I understand the words, but I feel like either I'm missing the concept uh-huh. or the concept he's stating is very bizarre. Yeah. So pretty much he's kind of talking about Jung's collective unconscious, mm-hmm. the myths like what he says, the devil and Christ themselves, they don't come from one person making it up. It's kind of an accumulation of all of these different people's ideas. Um, so when he says consequence of transperson- transpersonal social and historical processes, he's just pretty much talking about the stories that we tell ourselves over time. Okay. Um, and th- that those operate almost completely beyond the realm of individual control. So he's just saying that these mythological figures come about not from one individual, but from the retelling and telling of stories over time in groups. But he's saying that specifically about Christianity? That's this example. It applies to all of them, I think, but yes, he is using Christianity here. But I don't think that works. No. Okay. I I strongly disagree. Okay. I was actually having a hard time right there because I was was just confused. (laughs) Yeah. To be honest. No, I don't agree at all. I think that that's not where Christ and the devil come from, as we know. Yeah. They come from the Bible, which was divinely. Well, I mean, they they don't come from the Bible. They existed. Sure. They just did. That's better. And the Bible informs us of this, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't through the Bible inherently that they came to be. It was through the prophets and the only, and this is like a logical train of thought, but like the reason, like we know the, the, what the prophets said were true because they said wildly specific things. Right. That came to be exactly true. Yeah. So, and then, like, we have, like, actual captured history to prove that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to be like, no, it's like, well. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that prophesies Jesus, Mm -hmm. like, hundreds and hundreds of years before he was alive. Right. Well, and the thing is that even if you don't believe in Christianity, people do believe that Jesus existed. Yeah. So if these books are predicting him 500 years before and no one's denying that he existed. Right. Well, I, I, that's what always confused me is like, I feel like this whole like fight with like his history and Christianity, that kind mm-hmm. of clash there. Yeah. Um, is people would be like, Oh, well I'll believe in Christianity when this happens. I'll believe in Christianity when this happens. I'll believe in Christianity when this happens. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, um, 
historians are at this point like, well, we have undeniable proof of Jesus. Yeah. That, that he was a guy, actually was a guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you have undeniable proof that Jesus was a guy, then you could argue that with the amount of evidence in the Bible that stacks with the like historical, like actual proof that the miracles and the other stories that happen in the Bible must hold some type of gravity in that mm -hmm. situation. And I mean, even if you're like, okay, fine, Jesus was a real guy who committed or who, who performed real miracles, mm -hmm. then I don't know what's stopping you, know, you from I mean, just believing. Well, you can even think about it. Something that our pastor likes to bring up, and I think we've talked about here before, is that Jesus doesn't give you the option of just thinking he's like a good moral philosopher or something like that because mm -hmm. he says, I'm the son of God. Yeah. And that's why I'm doing everything I'm doing. Yep. Um, so even if you think of him just as that, like as a historically focused person, um, you can't just think of him as that because he yeah. would have to be crazy if you don't believe that all of his claims are true. Mm -hmm. Because that's such a potent claim to make mm -hmm. that you can't just dismiss it. Yeah. And I mean, I think he proves himself more than once or twice mm -hmm. or a handful of times. Like, I mean... He proves everything that he says to be true and like beyond true. Yeah. So many times it, it's just, it really, really breaks down to like, it's hard just to be like, mm, I don't really believe it. Like if you actually did your research and understood it, it's, it's hard to dismiss it. It is. Yeah. When it break, when you come down to it, I mean like, and having faith and trusting God and building a relationship with him is definitely different and it's harder than yeah. just believing in Christ. But like that's step one mm -hmm. is just be like, well, you know, I think this Jesus guy is probably legit. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I can't come to a conclusion that he's not. And there you go. Boom. Your first step. Right. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah. That's his, uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we're doing really good. We're, we're doing so good right now. I'm going to skip this oh, next. Also. What? It's the week of Thanksgiving. And we didn't we didn't address Halloween and I'm so sorry. I love Halloween. I think it's so much fun and we didn't talk about it. So I just want to say happy Thanksgiving if you're listening on Thanksgiving and, and happy, if you're not happy Halloween. Yes, and happy Halloween. Happy belated Halloween and happy Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving week depending on when you listen to it and if you're listening to this in May of like 2023 hey I hope you're enjoying spring. Yeah. It's okay. very cold right now. It is. I'm actually shivering. <laughs> we turn the heat off because it's loud. Okay. Anyways, back to Jordan Peterson. Yeah. We're doing great. <laughs> okay. I'm going to skip the next quote I had planned. It's because I think we already understand this. Point. Okay. Okay. Um, so now he's getting into the great mother as chaos. So okay. an important distinction he makes is that the Ouroboros, the thing from last episode... The dragon that eats itself. Yeah. Yeah. And the figure of the Great Mother commonly overlap because the chaos compromising the original state, which mm -hmm. was his Ouroboros, is hard to distinguish from the chaos to establish order. So they overlap a lot because they're pretty much both unknowns, mm -hmm. but they are different because one encompassed everything and the other one is chaos in opposition to order. Which one's chaos and opposition? That's the great mother. That's the great mother. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I mean, I don't, 
honestly, I don't know what to say to that. You don't have to like, say to I, Okay. Um, then, yes, I acknowledge the statement that has been made. Uh, a connection that I made <laughs> for that one is it makes sense looking at Tiamat. We went over her in the Marduk story, the new Manish, yeah. because, you know, female serpent. Mm-hmm. You can see how that overlaps. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if he made that actual connection. It's just in my notes. But he also compares this to Eve and the serpent, mm-hmm. which I feel like is much more of a stretch. That is and way I, more of a stretch. I mean, does it conceptually work or not? No, because, well, probably not. No, well, okay. I, I, I guess this is... Cause that and would... I don't want to speak for JP or anything, but mm-hmm. like this is the only direct connection I can make in regards to Eve and the serpent. Yeah, um, is that Eve as being the only woman, right? So mm-hmm. you would have to believe innately that she is the mother. Yeah, right. She is the one who initially partakes in the fruit, right? So that is the encompassing chaos and the serpent, and that and she's ideally in opposition to order of Adam. Mm. Um, and then the serpent is just chaos, right? Yeah. It would be the, but the problem is that the chaos, like the, I think the chaos thing works, mm-hmm. but he's specifically talking about the all encompassing chaos before order and chaos are separate um, with the snake. And I don't think the snake does that. Well, I, I again, you know I mean? another, yeah, I, but, but another stretch is that, the serpent doesn't say like, "Hey, eat this fruit." The serpent's like, "Oh, like this fruit might be good." Mm. And then Eve's like, "Well, I don't know. I was told not to touch it. I'll die." And then the serpent's like, "Oh, you wouldn't die. That wouldn't happen." Right. So it's like that's like total chaos because that's not inherently mm-hmm. like just chaos. Chaos. That's like you know what I mean. But where this all crumbles is like when you analyze kind of that section of the Bible, it's really interesting. Adam was standing there the whole time. And I know you know that. Yeah. But Adam was standing next to Eve the whole time this happened, Mm -hmm. which is like, I guess commonly left out or not discussed, or at least in my life. But that whole chaos theory crumbles because then Adam immediately, not only lets Eve talk to the serpent and eat the fruit after God was like, don't let anybody touch the fruit. Adam was just like, hmm, I wonder what they're doing, like, a foot away. Yeah. And then immediately partook of the fruit. So, like, that's not the the father order and the mother chaos. It just – so, like, I get, like, the stretch, the kind mm-hmm. of – you can kind of slot it in, but you can, like, make that connection to Christianity for, like, one verse. Right. If you're lucky. Yeah, and that's a lot of these, which is why Christianity – isn't brought up with a lot of his other examples because it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't. Right. And like, I think that roots back to like what I said a couple episodes ago, where I think it's like, you can distinguish Christianity Mm -hmm. because of its perfect story made by the perfect creator and the opposing mythologies, such as North mythology and stuff with the gods that are subject to vice. Yeah. That's the epitome. So if like these theories don't really lock into Christianity, well, maybe it's because that's not the perfect story. <laughs> right. Or the perfect abstraction. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, okay. What do you think then, knowing that it's like chaos defined in opposition to establish order, what do you think the great mother would represent? Like more tangibly. What do you... Well, 
or metaphorically? Maybe that's tough because I kind of just gave an answer. Yeah, I, I mean, the the chaos and opposition to order. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would know how to expand on that at all? <laughs> it's a tough one. So, because I have the answer right Evan, now. Evan asked me on the car ride after the concert back here. Hey, are you cool if I just kind of like ask you questions to kind of create a more interesting discussion? I was like, yeah, for sure. Um, I think Evan forgets that like he's really smart. Um, I can't read his essays. They go over my head. Um, I'm not saying I'm the brightest bulb in the room, but like I'm not like dumb, dumb. (laughs) I don't I can't answer. My point is, is your question confused me. You're okay. teaching a 500 level course, and I'm at like 201 at best. Okay, probably more like 101. All right, I'll leave it then. That's okay. <laughs> Ask a simpler question. <laughs> no, well, and I also wrote it with knowing the answer, so it probably seemed there, easier. But there is an answer. Mm-hmm. You can't ask me a question with an answer. Yeah, huh? Because I can say, "What do you think he's going to talk about?" I think he's going to talk about. I think he's going to quote Christianity. And the quote's going to be wrong, and I'm going to laugh, get frustrated, and pull up my my Bible app and find the verse and the surrounding context. I don't think I quote the Bible okay, anymore mm. that I've seen. It's not in my quotes, at least. But so here's what he thinks the great mother represents. There's like a lot of reasons. There's a lot of parts to this representation. Oh, boy. Okay. So... The unknown appears to be genuine, generally conceptualized or symbolically represented as female, primarily because the female genitalia, which are hidden, private, unexplored, and productive, as in like reproductive, serve as gateway or portal to the divine unknown world or source of creation, and therefore easily come to stand for that place. So, the unknown according to him, is characterized as female for a lot of these mythologies because, <laughs> like, females can give birth um, and their genitalia is hidden. So that's where the source of creation is. I guess. I. <sighs> you like that one? I don't. I guess I don't have anything to say in opposition. I just think it's kind of like you can get anything from anything you want. Mm. I mean, I I would argue that a cat mm-hmm. is the representation of chaos. Okay, let's see because, if this works. Because its inner mechanics are hidden. Like how a cat works is hidden from us. We can't see how a cat works. Mm. Unless you rip it open. He does prove it a little bit more. Okay. I hope so. Um <laughs> I didn't I didn't quote any of it, but he talks about like these different statues that you could find mm-hmm. of mother goddesses pretty much. Okay. And they have like there's pictures of it in the textbook. Some really like emphasized genitalia Mm. and stuff on them and like the faces have no features and stuff and his point is like that's what they focused on putting detail into was the genitalia so they find that to be more important and that's the part that they're kind of worshipping which I think tracks I but but like 
were men or women sculptors of the time? Uh, probably men. Okay. So I won't say that for sure, but probably. I I mean, it. I took one art history class. Uh-huh. Most of them were just men. Okay. I don't even think you could be a female sculptor. I don't think that was a thing until, like, past the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. But, okay. So what do men like? Mm. If you are you like saying if they're just worshiping that stuff, well, to do it because they like it. Or? I mean, we can see it in our society. Uh huh. Right. I mean, look at look at like Tinder things. Right. On Tinder, women get hundreds of likes immediately. Yeah. Right. But men don't mm-hmm. because that desire is incredibly great in a man and not as incredibly great in a woman. Mm-hmm. So that's controversial. I <sighs> isn't Christianity supposed to be controversial too? Apparently. There we go. Okay, cool. I wear a cross necklace. There's your controversy of the day. Um <laughs> <laughs> but if <sighs> my point is is that like men are more sexually wired than women are. And if it's predominantly men sculptors, mm-hmm. male sculptors. I feel like it would biologically track for that to be what was sculpted. Mm. Like I wouldn't inherently say that they worshipped it so much as it was like men. I see what you're saying. I mean, you think he's reading a little bit too much into it then walk into walk into just a standard man cave and look at the posters on mm. the wall. Mm-hmm. What is emphasized? Yeah, there, there, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's my point. Well, you so you don't like his great mother interpretation. Do you see any of it connecting to, so far to Christianity? No, to like, I mean, do you follow any of it? Do you think any of it makes sense so far? I follow it. I just, I think that's just such a weird place to, like, I feel like placing chaos on female Mm -hmm. for the reasons that he's given just doesn't track. And maybe that's just because, like, from a Christian perspective, like, that's just not how our belief system works at all. Right, and we'll go into that because there's some, I have some notes on some other quotes that deal with that more specifically. Um, but I think I agree with you. I think that I can see the connection between like the creation of things in general and birth. Mm-hmm. Like I get it. Yeah. But maybe he is going too far. I, I don't see how he's not going too far. Like, like it, in, in and, the beginning when he was talking about chaos and order, right? The known and unknown on a fundamental level, chaos was just what was unknown. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you need a representation for it. And may, so I think the thing is that a lot of the chaotic beings like Tiamat and stuff that are in these myths are, are female. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he's just trying to reconcile that and try to explain that figure the look in like an abstract way the problem is is he's trying in my eyes he's trying to explain a story told by man 
mm-hmm. numerous stories told by man and trying to connect them all. Mm-hmm. The biggest fall, in my opinion, is when he tries to relate it to Christianity, a story not told by man. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I and, see what you mean. And it immediately, it immediately starts falling apart. And then when he tries to make that connection, in my eyes, the rest of it falls apart. Even if it is like whole, holds up to be true or has some validity and weight to it, it just falls apart in my eyes because the connection he just that he tries to make in regards to Christianity just doesn't work. It just doesn't track at right. all. So then everything else kind of crumbles for me because like Christianity is like my fundamental belief system. It's mm-hmm. how I view things, right? That's like who I am fundamentally. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't work for Christianity, then it kind of crumbles everywhere else. Right. It just stops working. And I think to not go on him too hard, the thing that he does do really well is see how these ideas can be utilized. Well, you know what I mean? And that's what I love about what Jordan Peterson does is he does such a great job. And we've talked about this abstracting things from just what we do. So we have a better understanding. So not only do we understand what we're doing, but we can understand why and then how Mm -hmm. to adjust and fix so we can improve our quality of life. Right. That's fantastic. He's an amazing. He's amazing at that. (laughs) Like, I can't I can't say anything else other than how amazing he is Mm -hmm. at that so like he can take good lessons out of all of these yeah but that doesn't mean that he has the correct interpretation of them yeah evan stuttered because the camera flicked i just stuttered because i stuttered i don't know oh it was both yeah it was the camera i don't stutter evan doesn't know what a stutter is he's that good of a talker exactly he talks good okay next one the relationship of man writ large to nature, eternal mother, endlessly mimics that of the particular child to his personal mother. Or, to be more accurate, the child and the mother mimic life and the world. So if you take the world as being like mother nature, pretty much, mm-hmm. then you can say that life life in man or man in general Mm. is analogous to a child and his mother. So like the Uh, earth's providing for us, you know what I mean? Yeah. And my issue with this one is I, it's not a Christian idea. No. Um, our life doesn't come from the earth. It comes from God and God's a masculine being. Um, so Christianity really doesn't fit into his interpretation here. And, I think it's okay that it doesn't fit into this. My issue with his credibility about this stuff is that he doesn't discuss the differences. Mm-hmm. Does he never discuss the differences at all? He hasn't yet. Maybe he will in later chapters. But the the Ugh. most distinct, the biggest distinction that I can think of is a couple episodes back when he talks about Christianity being unique okay. because of like how powerful it's been throughout history. I mean, it's that's the for biggest other distinction. <laughs> but that's like the biggest one that he brought mm-hmm. up. Um, but yeah, so I don't agree with this uh, child and mother analogy. Well, it just doesn't track in Christianity because God's the provider, and we have mm-hmm. the earth because that's what He provided. Right. So it's it's like the father can't be the father to the mother and also mm-hmm. the father with the mother to you. And I think, so I think that this is a, 
almost a semantic misrepresentation of what's happening. Yeah. Because in the same way that people can say like that there's some sort of progress to evolution, Mm -hmm. like it's moving towards what's better or Mm -hmm. better for survival. Mm -hmm. Um, The issue is that if it's something, if it's a process, it can't be moving because it's not something that's, or it can't move towards something in the sense that a living thing can move towards something. And because we are living, that's how we would naturally understand moving towards something. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's the same with this is the world doesn't provide anything for us in the sense that providing is something only a living creature could do. Mm. So it's like a misrepresentation of what it's actually doing in a way that we can understand it. And I think in a way that makes us more likely to agree with this, like, yeah, it does provide stuff for us. And then you can think of like mother nature as this providing thing, like this providing entity, Mm -hmm. but all it is, is just like rocks and stuff. And it's, it's not doing any of the providing. The resources are just like there. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. The resources are just there. That's not providing. What's providing is either God Mm -hmm. Or we are going out to get the stuff ourselves. Yeah. Well, and that's like how us as men, when we become husbands and fathers, mm-hmm. why we're referred to as the provider. Mm. And that's why that's our role. Because we have to take things and turn them into like like sustenance or shelter. Yeah. You know, like we work for money and the money is used to provide shelter, food, mm-hmm. etc. Right. But like, if that if if nobody was gathering resources, which is you know kind of what we're doing, like money is just a resource. Mm-hmm. Money doesn't provide crap, you know. Like, I'm hungry. Well, here's a ten dollar bill that should fill you. No, it's just a resource. So like, we as providers need to take resources and make mm-hmm. them usable. Yeah, you know. Sorry, like my brain just kind of like fired on all cylinders for like half a second. No, you're fine. <laughs> We're not perfect here. I'm not. <laughs> That's for sure. Especially tonight. Oh, man. So we can go into some more examples slash definition stuff of Great Mother. Mm-hmm. So you can understand what he represented, represents it as. Better. Okay. So he says the Great Mother is the dark the chaos of the night, the insect, the ophidian and reptilian worlds, the damaged body, the mask of anger or terror, the entire panoply of fear-inducing experiences commonly encountered by Homo sapiens. So the Great Mother is everything that's fear-inducing in his mind. So, uh, oh my word. So... Which I just I'm trying to figure out where to start to break this down. Mm-hmm. So is the the great mother is ultimately representing chaos. So he's basically saying chaos. Yeah, unexplored territory. Yes. I. And that's the great mother. And his tie to the mother, as far as I can tell, is that the world. One, the world is unknown. 
Oh, no, that's not even a connection to the feminine thing. I think the only connection to the feminine is the idea that things are born out of chaos, just like people are born out of the female. I don't know if it's like I'm kind of tired or mm-hmm. if it's like my brain's in two other places at once or if this part of the book is just... No, I mean, if you don't agree with it, you don't agree with it. Well, I just, I almost feel like it's redundant. <clears throat> and maybe it feels redundant because a while ago we kind of were like, we dismantled what he said and we were mm-hmm. like, this is just, it's not right. We don't agree with it. Yeah. So everything he, from here on out is just like, it's the foundation was dismantled. So right. every other point after that is, well, pointless. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. I mean, something I talked to or I talked about with the guy that I'm going through this with is, and I think I brought it up here, is it's just since we know that he got some stuff wrong, what can we trust him on getting right? Yeah, and we kind of talked about that the last episode, and I, I don't know. I think our focus should just be on what we can get out of it, you know, or like what he says the lessons are because we can take those lessons and apply them, understanding if they're good or not. Because usually they're pretty good lessons. Oh, he. So. I think he has great lessons. But right now he's just, in my eyes, he's just rehashing what we we talked about in episode like one and two. Mm. Like, yeah, chaos. That's he's your pretty cause much, of fear. He's pretty much giving that stuff character. Um, and he's kind of, he's using that as a background to kind of explain it a little bit more. So we can move on to uh, another part he talks about for an entire section, monsters that are feminine that represent creation and destruction, <laughs> birth and sensate or cessation of experience and animal and human. And the animals that he talks about here are things like the Sphinx, um, the Greek Sphinx, like that's a female and a lion. The Sphinx in Egypt. What's the, isn't there also a Greek Sphinx? What's he called? What's what's, what's she called? called? I'm looking it up. I thought they were both Sphinx. Maybe I'm incorrect. Greek Sphinx. Oh, yes. Okay. I have seen this, and it's been a while. Yeah, so it's just like a woman with a lion's body. Yeah, it's not the uh, Egyptian Sphinx at all. No, but they're similar ideas. They're, they are similar ideas. Um, so, I don't know. We can spend some time talking about it. I just think that it's the same thing where I don't know if we except the premise of the chaos being feminine. Yeah. I, I like, okay. I, I understand. I, I don't understand wanting to um, like personify chaos. Mm-hmm. Oh, well the point is that it can be more understandable. We can, you can grasp it more in the form of metaphor, but like if you're, but if you're grasp, if, if the metaphor Fails to deliver the heart of chaos. Mm-hmm. Well, he's saying that it does. Fails. No, he's saying that it does show what chaos is. But it does. As best as possible. I, nope. So. Well, and I think, you know, I think he does have some some point here that mm-hmm. works. Because you can see chaos at the same time as something that's bad and it's scary. Um, which is this great mother that's like the monster and all these things. Um, and at the same time, you can see chaos as the other aspect of he talks about for the great mother, 
which is like the nurturing thing that can provide for you. So why um, does the thing that nurture and provide, why is that also chaos? Because, I mean, think about it. If you go into the unknown and you're doing something, a bad thing could come out of it or a good thing could come out of it. I guess, but I mean, in my eyes, like, the provider is known. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, the provider I, I think, of the house, the father, is known by he who he provides for. I think, though, the point is if you recognize the unknown as, like, a thing, mm -hmm. it that is where all of the stuff for us is. Like, the resources are out in the unknown. And it's the process of exploring but the unknown. My Right, but my point is is that the provider themselves mm -hmm. is known. The provider goes into the unknown mm -hmm. to get resources to create what is provided. But the provider themselves is known. Like the father is known by the, the, mm -hmm. the mother and the children, right? We as Christians, when we look to God as our provider, we know God. What he takes from chaos, the unknown, and gives to us is what is provided to us. But those gifts, those things that we need or want, even from like a father to a child, the provider is known. Mm -hmm. And is giving things, generally speaking, what is known. I mean, you can argue about gifts, like the unknown of a gift. But like, mm -hmm. you know it's a gift. You know it's a good thing that's going to make you happy. You know the provider gives you food. The provider fills your heart and soul. Right. Do you... It would be probably really hard to do it, but off the top of your head, do you have any alternate understandings of things like the Sphinx or Tiamat or the, these feminine chaotic beings? What do you mean by alternate understandings? Instead of like the Great Mother as he's talking about it mm -hmm. as this thing that can be chaos. And oh, what do I think could be? Yeah, do you have any like alternative options oh, for what they could be because i can't think of a better one i don't think it's right but that's kind of where i'm like maybe he's reading into it mm -hmm. is because i don't know if you can get this much out of it mm -hmm. i mean and i think you can also make the connections that he's making mm -hmm. but ultimately you're never gonna know right well because you couldn't go and ask these people what they thought of it. I guess in my eyes, it's a little bit reverse. Women aren't a good representation of chaos so much as chaos is represented within women through these mythologies. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like, it doesn't inherently mean that chaos or that women are a great representation of chaos. Yeah. But that chaos is represented within women. But at the I very same time... I think that's kind of his point. We'll look at Norse mythology, because mm -hmm. that idea also crumbles. Because mm -hmm. Loki is chaos. And and there's hell and stuff. It, if you're thinking about Marvel's Norse mythology, you're already <laughs> on the wrong step. <laughs> Marvel's, Marvel's Norse mythology is nothing, nothing, nothing like true like well, what's, Viking mythology. Yeah, so, I mean, the creation of the world in that, isn't it a mere dying and like they use Amir's body as the world yeah well kind of sort of kind of oh it's okay. i don't but it is i don't Amir, remember enough to tell you but what i do know is that there's um i can't remember all the proper words and stuff but basically there's 
the the plane of fire and there's the plane of ice and then there's the nothing in between and the fire and ice kept growing closer together and the fire melted the ice i was right okay the world middle earth or midgard is made of the body of a mirror oh you okay i thought you meant all of like Norse mythology, like no, whole, just Midgard. Oh, okay, just Midgard. Yeah, I don't re- personally. I don't remember that. Just to be completely honest, but um, what I do know is that Loki, Odin's adopted son, is pretty much unrelenting chaos in right. Norse mythology. Which there you go, boom, diminished. You, so if you're gonna look at all of mythologies, right. you're you're already. It doesn't work in Christianity, but we've kind of dismissed that. So to bring up a different point, let's look at Norse mythology. I'm wondering, (laughs) I'd be curious to ask him why he doesn't bring up Norse mythology. Because it doesn't work. I'm wondering if it's that or if he's looking at these really older ones. Because we don't know how old Norse mythology is. Look it up. How old is Norse mythology? Okay, good idea. I know. I'm full of great ideas, such as using Google. <laughs> uh, I'm cold. This says most stories are dated from 1000 AD, but the core of the myth can be traced back to the 5th century AD or even longer. So, so they're basically not sure. But right. that's not as old as any of the other ones he's talking about. Okay. So I'm wondering if that's part of the reason. Sure. Because he doesn't consider it to be old enough to be worth talking about i guess or as as potentially foundational as these other ideas but i don't know i don't know if we'll ever know well i think unless we talk to jordan peterson himself right that'll happen hey we've been trashing on your book a little bit can we talk about it i you know actually i i mean i want to know what he thinks about it now well as far as i'm aware uh, because i listened to daily wires town hall meeting um, Jordan Peterson's Christian, like actually now. That's crazy. I know. I was blown away. I thought that was epic. I wonder how much of this he would disagree with now. Yeah, I see, and that's all I thought about today. I was like, well, if Jordan Peterson's like actually Christian, what does he think of his own book? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So we can go through some more quotes here. Let's do it. I'm probably going to skip around a bit because I think the stuff focusing on just the great mother isn't going to be that interesting at this point. I don't think I ever answered your question. That's okay. Okay. We, we took it where it went. Okay. Um, I, ultimately, I don't think you can. But you stated that before I even started. <laughs> Yeah. So let's do something fun. I'm just going to read part of his book. Okay. Uh, This is his paragraph where he's just listing all of the negative versions of the great mother. Okay. I'm going to lean back and try to absorb this. Okay. And spend less time sitting upright. Go for it. Everyone sit back, relax, and get ready for some great mother. I'm, I'm nervous. Okay. Here we go. The great mother in her negative guise is the force that induces the child to cry in the absence of her parents she is the branches that claw at the night traveler in the depths of the forest 
She is the terrible force that motivates the commission of atrocity, planned rape, and painful slaughter during the waging of war. She is aggression without the inhibition of fear and guilt, sexuality in the absence of responsibility, dominance without compassion, greed without empathy. She is everything uh, that jumps in the night, that scratches and bites, that screeches and howls. She is paralyzing uh, dismay, horror, and the screams that accompany madness. The great mother aborts children and is the dead fetus, breeds pestilence, and is the plague. She makes of the skull something gruesomely compelling, and that is all skulls herself. To unveil her is to risk madness, to gaze over the abyss, to lose the way, to remember the repressed trauma. She is the molester of children, the golem, the boogeyman, the monster in the swamp, the rotting cadaverous zombie who threatens the living. She is the progenitor of the devil, the strange son of chaos. What did you think of that? That's dark. That's a lot of things to attribute to the great mother. That's right, kids. If you go look at your mom right now, she's under your bed. It's the boogeyman. There you go. <laughs> That's wild, isn't it? That's a lot. I, okay. What are you thinking? Uh, are you thinking anything? Yes, but it was overshadowed by the comment that I'm about to make. Okay. Somebody said, um, nice feet in one of my comments. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know why, but they said nice feet, man. Mm -hmm. Um, so I put on socks just to kind of, you know, keep things PG around here. <laughs> My ankle just pops really loud. Nice. Um, okay. Back on topic. I think it's important to point out none of that at all is even close to the Bible. <laughs> like you can't bring you can't bring Jesus around here. <laughs> no, He'll I be just sad. I just wanted to point that out because the primary evil and from my understanding, the primary evil in the Bible, other than our own human nature, is Satan. Yeah, is the devil. And the thing that makes him so bad is his pride and his uh, lack of gratitude, his insatiable desire to become a god himself. Because mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes. he wanted to be like God. Yeah, classic Lucy. And I think it's important that that's the worst evil mm -hmm. in the bible and not like oh i don't know maybe women well and you can say that all of this stuff maybe not all of it i'd say a decent bit of what i just said can come from pride why are you throwing stuff this is my room i know i just didn't want it up here it didn't look clean okay so i okay so like i i need to because he's saying the great mother, right? Yeah. And I have a really hard time, like, trying to look at the great mother as not just, like, women. Mm -hmm. Like, the ultimate woman. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So when he says all that stuff, I feel like... Because, it, well, it's good and bad is the point. I'm focusing on the bad versions of the great mother. Well, and, and I mean, I'm going to, too, but only because it's, like... He's talking about some pretty rough things. Dude, like, I know. That's not mom. The one that aborts the child and is the dead fetus. 
And is the boogeyman under your bed is your worst fear. That's not mom. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, I, I would hope that's not like your wife or girlfriend, but you know, uh, to each yeah. their own. I find it hard to associate it with females. <laughs> Do at you all. understand what I mean? Yeah. So like when he says the great mother, like I can't not draw the conclusion that like the great mother implies like the truest woman. So, but he's attributing the truest woman to so many like heinous things that mm-hmm. you could argue are generally generally associated with men. Mm. Well, I think the point is that it's the chaos that spawns all of these things, and because is what he's focusing on, and because women give are birth. the perfect representation of chaos, and women themselves are chaos and are awful but also not awful well the great mother is and that, yeah it's but how if if they're if it's the great mother mm-hmm. then how we're not all women because or in the I very think, least mothers i think he's not saying that this is all people he's just saying that this is represented as the great mother but it's a the, people represent this in myth with a feminine representation but like if you're going if you're going to be attributing things if you're attributing things like chaos Mm -hmm. even in the mythologies to a feminine person persona person persona persona so if there's a feminine persona in mythology and they represent chaos Mm -hmm. and jordan peterson is saying the great mother the ultimate female persona Mm -hmm. is the truest representation of chaos how do you not expect me to draw mental connections to just women, females, mm. femininity? Mm-hmm. You you know what I mean? That's I think that's like my huge fundamental issue with the whole. The woman is the perfect representation of chaos. How like how can you say that because you can't apply that to just generally general women? Yeah, you and know, so because in, I think we can ask a good question off of this is. Even if we feel this way about it, do you think it would be conceivable at all that a culture a long time ago could have could have logically, rationally thought about it this way? Well, yeah. You think so? Yeah. Cause no, no, were, oh, not like... our way, his way. Oh no, you know, I no. That's what I'm struggling with. Like, I even... thought you meant like. Sorry, I hit the mic. Um, I thought you were talking about like older cultures looking at women as like awful or something. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure they did because they're like crazy. Well, that's what I mean. Then yes. Is their his interpretation, do you think it's possible not, that they could have thought about it like this? Not to that advanced level. No. Mm-hmm. Do I think that, I mean, like to be a little PG-13 here, like women having periods, mm-hmm. I'm sure was not like what am I looking like? How am I looking to say that? Like, that's just, especially, uh, I can't even say the right word because I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to articulate is that if there's a King or a male Pharaoh, mm-hmm. then innately women are below him. Oh, I mean, yeah, we, and there's so, no denying that sexism has always been a thing. Right. Okay. So then if women have like periods and give birth, that is chaotic. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they're like, just kind of, understanding where like women are chaos because they bleed and give life mm. right men don't do those things yeah. like so do you think he has an a decent interpretation of what they might have thought 
I think it's way, way, way beyond their own comprehension. I don't so think it's they... the same thing with like the Horus Osiris thing where we understood the point he was making, but we don't necessarily know if the Egyptians actually thought. I, yeah, I think thought. that I think it, I think it's quite literally as simple as I said it. I think it's like women have their periods mm-hmm. and which also makes them like hormonal. So well, and... it's like, it's it, you're so they're going to act different. They're bleeding, but they can also like produce life. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, of course they're going to view women as like chaos mm-hmm. because how do you explain that? Cause if you cut a man's arm open and he bleeds for a week, he'll die. But women, so why, but then why can women do it? But also how can women like carry like children and then like, m- like push them out to life but right. then also do it again. How does that work? That's just wild. Mm-hmm. That's basically like mythical, m- mystical, you know? How so, could you not attribute that to chaos? But like there isn't beyond that. It's not like, oh, there's all, like the genitals are hidden. And it's, no, it's just like that doesn't make sense. So Plain and simple. Do you think, well, it seems like you agree then with the chaos part of it. Mm-hmm. What about the monsters and stuff like the Sphinx? What do you mean? What it like? Like they were dangerous and like scary and stuff do you think there's a connection to those things being female no because or like medusa is another good example it, it, see okay but like uh but there's also i think you can point out there's no male... it's, it doesn't track because like from our perception like women like there are crazy women right like how dare you. i know how dare i i'm just saying <laughs> like in our times like the concept of a crazy woman it tracks like a woman mm-hmm. who isn't sane like mm-hmm. some like a woman that smacks her husband or just like like um you like you know uh, investigation discovery channel um yeah you didn't have cable um id or investigation discovery mm-hmm. did a lot of like murder mystery stuff oh like my parents, case files yeah my parents watched that stuff all the time but okay. there was one where wives killed their husband mm-hmm now put yourself back in like Egyptian times. Mm-hmm. That would never happen. Are you kidding me? Never. Absolutely not. Sure. I don't think. Yeah, they didn't. That's know. that's my issue with like the whole monster thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, with, like, so do you think makes, maybe the monsters makes... are just kind of more random? Well, because there's think... also male monsters like the Minotaur. Right. Well, yeah, I guess I'd say monsters are more random then. Because like, or if there is some sort of association, I don't know if I'd buy that it's this association. Well, I think right, and like, because if you look at Medusa in of herself, because that's really like a whole character, mm-hmm. not just like a creature. Mm-hmm. Like Medusa, the whole thing about Medusa is that she's supposed to be, or she used to be very pretty, and then she got snake hair, and and mm-hmm. now turns people that look at her to stone as kind of like the irony mm-hmm. to being attractive to look at. Or there's the, to the eye. is it Arachne story where she was like too prideful against Athena and she thought she could, I think it's Athena. She thought she could yeah. like weave better tapestries and stuff. It's and then like she that. tried to beat them and then she got mad and then she got turned into a spider. Yeah. Same thing with Medusa. It's, it's basically that over again. Yeah. But if you look at like the Sphinx mm-hmm. and I don't know anything about the Sphinx mythology see now would be a great time for you to comment down below if you know anything about the sphinx and educate both of us thank you yes <laughs> um I, it just doesn't track for me 
like it just i don't think it like it follows continuity because mm-hmm. like okay women are chaos but not to the level he's describing because i think they i don't think they had that level of comprehension mm. i mean there's a lot of reasons i don't think they had that level of comprehension yeah but i think and by the way we are trying to be careful to avoid the what c.s lewis would call chronological snobbery which is to assume that just because something happened in the past that it was dumb and that we know a lot better. Um, oh, that's not how that works at all. Yeah. So just so people are clear. Yeah. We're not just like past sucks and they're all stupid. Well, I mean, they built the pyramids. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like you have to be a genius to do it. But I mean, the way like, they did it was genius. The Greeks knew that the earth was round. Yeah. And then in the Middle Ages, that went away. So clearly progress is not linear in time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh so much. Um, Progress is not linear in time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it sure is not. So we can. Uh, it's like ups and downs. We I have a couple more quotes here that we can get through. Sure. I'm gonna skip most of the ritual stuff because we're just gonna disagree with it. But he has a section talking about rituals, mm-hmm. and like the point of them. Okay. Um. So we'll talk about a little bit about wisdom. I love wisdom. So. I love wisdom. I really really like this way of thinking about wisdom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wisdom may be personified as a spirit who eternally gives, who provides to her adherents unfailing riches. She is to be valued higher than status or material possessions as the source of all things. So pretty much what he's saying is you can look at wisdom as a spirit that gives its adherents a lot of riches, and it should be valued more than status or material possessions i think that's very true i think that wisdom should be valued higher than those other things why is he always giving personas and and so far female i think that's related to the great mother and but i don't know wisdom doesn't come from chaos wisdom is the known it could just also be saying she instead of he just because i know a lot of history when you call your like when you call your car she like old Betsy. Well, not quite, but... 302 Boss Mustang. I don't know. It's been a switch, like in Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, when he's giving an example about a hypothetical person. He'll say he or she. Mm. He just kind of switches back and forth mm-hmm. um, in different examples. So it could just be that. Okay. Well, to focus on the important things here. Um, yeah. I. What he say wisdom should be valued over exactly? Because I just don't remember. Higher than status or material possession. That's 100% true. Yeah. That is 100% true. Because wisdom gives you those things. Well, one. Beyond that. Beyond that. Beyond wisdom giving you those things. Uh, Wisdom isn't... Wisdom really can't be bought. No. Like, you can't own wisdom. Mm. There's no pay to win for wisdom. Like, I feel like you can pay to win in intelligence. I think it requires some more work than a pay-to-win, but... Yeah, I would agree, depending on the individual. You know, yeah. some people are just... Their brains are and not, Yeah, but not to the same extent as wisdom. No, wisdom is... You can't pay-to-win on that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, it's... It's a lot of experience. Purely experience. I mean, you can share your wisdom, and I highly encourage it, because I try to share the wisdom I have at 21. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get wisdom from, like, mentors and stuff. Exactly. But you can't you can't just buy it. 
Yeah. And even though it's shared to us, that doesn't inherently mean we truly grasp or understand it. I mean, how many times have, or how many times have you been uh, reflecting on something that's happened? Like, oh, dad told me this, or grandpa told me this, or mom told me this, anybody mm-hmm. that's wiser than you. And at the time, we were just like, yeah, okay, dad. And then it's absolutely right. And then right. it's absolutely 100% true. And you're like, well, but how? How, <laughs> how did they know? Well, because they were wiser than you. Yeah. And that's exactly case in point. You can't just shove wisdom into a person. Like, you can mm-hmm. shove numbers on a person, and eventually their brain will just go like, like, fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> but... My sound effects. Um, but, like, you can't... Wisdom's really experiential. And it's it's ironic. Um, only until you're wise enough to understand the importance of wisdom will you understand the, the importance of accepting more wisdom from others. Yeah. I agree. Sorry, I was looking at the next quote, so I was only half paying attention. I was really hoping to get a... Wow, that was actually a really great quote, Dylan. Hey, that was a really great quote, Dylan. Don't, it's... <laughs> um, I just want someone to be proud of me. Hey, so I was wrong about the Bible thing. He does quote the Bible one more time. Oh. <laughs> I thought he was going to say something like, Hey, remember when we were talking about the Bible earlier today? I was wrong. No. No. <laughs> no, he'll just use it again. But it's a good one. So Is it a good one or is it like a good one? No, it'll be good to end on. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna. It's in. A, it's a parenthesis, in the middle of a sentence. So I'm gonna say the sentence first, and then I'll add in the one afterwards. Oh yes. Yeah. He's gonna read it easily and then read it harder. Yeah. Harderly. Yeah. It shouldn't be too hard, but just so you know where the sentence is gonna be going. Um. So without the parentheses, he says, "It is the case that without the appropriate attitude, the unknown is a sterile wasteland." Okay. Okay. Easy enough. Got it. I'm going to say no, I don't understand it because I know I'm about to not really understand. Well, all he's doing in the parentheses is quoting the Bible. Oh, I like the Bible. Yeah. So maybe I'll just read the quote. Or I'll just read the Bible verse. And then I can go back and read that sentence again. Yes. You can see what you think. Do that. Okay. So just heads up, it's King James Version. Because that's what he that's what he quotes. Of course, he didn't understand the Bible. He read the King James. Dude, I like that one. It's more fun. Anyways, <laughs> more fun. Let's do this. Ask, and this is Matthew seven seven through eight. Just saying. Yeah. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Hmm. Is that talking about um, when you ask and pray and it's in accordance to God's will, you'll receive it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that connects to his sentence. It is the case that without the appropriate attitude, the unknown is a sterile wasteland. If you don't have the appropriate attitude when you're facing unknown things, you're not going to get anything out of anything. Really? Wow. That actually, that verse actually works there, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow. I'm so proud. Dr. Jordan Peterson, I'm so proud of what how you did that right there. Bravo. It's really good. It was top notch. See, the King James Version just sounds so cool. It it really... I, it was cool. Dost thou even hoist? 
Exactly. Um, What'd you think of that quote? I mean, I liked it because it made sense this time. It mm-hmm. worked. But, um, but, um, I think that I just highlights, I think that highlights though his strength with this mm-hmm. is when it's not something that's an interpretation. Yeah. Like a event mm-hmm. historical kind of interpretation. Sure, sure. Um, or an abstract interpretation when he's it's just bad at history when it's That's a all. when it's a direct you know advice kind of thing mm-hmm. he really knows how to apply that because that's like his wheelhouse right well his wheelhouse is psychology not history yeah well you know i don't even know if it's history i know he spent a lot of time studying um history to see how we got the ideologies that we did in the 20th century sure but i think that religious history probably not mm. Yeah, and I don't think that's any it. fault of his. No, I think that goes back to exactly what I said, which is like it's incredibly hard, if not mm-hmm. impossible, to understand religious text right. unless you are in belief of that religion. Right. And you can't be an expert in everything. That too, even though I try really hard. Which is why I think that he has these. It's such a contrast here mm-hmm. between like the super spot on crazy good stuff. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, well, that's just incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think that's because you can, ju- you can just see his strengths. Yeah. So, well, back to the quote. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It's like a fine wine. I think the nicest wine I've had was 20 bucks. That's oh, like I... as good as that $20 wine. But, yeah, I mean, I yeah. Okay, so to kind of elaborate on the Bible verse, um. The idea is that if you pray and ask for God something that is in accordance with his will, then you will receive it. Mm-hmm. And that's actually like a common thing that's said in the Bible, isn't it? Like that's Yeah, said. it's said. I mean, I know we've heard it in John and the stuff we've been going through recently. Yeah. So, and I mean, the idea is that like, it one, that's really hard. Yeah, I was going to say you can't just pray for whatever you want and it's going to happen. No. I think that that's how some people can take it. And I think that's ironic because that's like the exact opposite of like right. the fundamentals of prayer. Yeah. And the issue is, I mean, if all you hear is ask and it shall be given to you. Mm. Like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'll just ask for a Bugatti then. And then they get mad when it doesn't show up at their doorstep. And it's like, well, that's not the point of the verse. Dear God. I would like a new podcast studio with um, better lights, a better camera, um, and somebody to run everything for me and edit it so I can just sit here and look medium pretty. I don't think that's going to happen. Oh. So, yeah, I think that's why it's so important to know, to understand what God wants, to know God's will. And then, so to apply that to chaos Mm -hmm. right to understand and be prepared for chaos gives you a better idea of not only the outcome but how to handle it yeah and here's something crazy too is like you don't ever know what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. because it's the unknown yeah um but god totally does we've talked about this in past episodes yeah. So, like, if you just pray and you're like, hey, God, I don't know what's going on right now. If you can just kind of guide me in the right direction, he'll guide you in the right direction because he knows 
exactly the, what the, the right direction. direction is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I said it already, but I want to say it again because I think that's really good. Um, think about life as a giant jungle, and you're in the middle of the jungle. And, I mean, everybody wants to kind of, like, get to the top of the hill where the, I guess you could say gold is, but doesn't necessarily align with christian values whatever's at the the hill there's a mountain and your greatest wish is at the top of it and you have two choices you can either figure out how to get through this jungle into the top of that mountain with your greatest like possible thing of the best thing in the entire world that's a sandwich for you that's perfect you enjoy that sandwich would you rather do it by yourself and just you know wing it or would you rather pray to God, literally, like I literally mean pray to God, believe in God, knowing that he's basically got like this top eye aerial view of the jungle and he basically just lights up this path and is like, go that way. And then you get to that mountain like a hundred weeks quicker than the guy yeah. who's wandering aimlessly. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's not to say that there won't be difficulties. Oh, no, it's absolutely difficult. But, I mean, I always think about it in perspective. I'm sure the difficulty along that path is far less significant than the difficulty on a different path. Mm. Well, I think that we recognize that the difficulties that we face, as long as we're following God, is going to lead to something greater. Mm. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, with people like Albert Camus or Sartre or whatever, existentialist, absurdist, all of them, the suffering is meaningless. Yeah. And it's just there, and you just have to deal with it. Such a sad way to look at life, which is exactly how I looked at life for, like, 18 years. Yeah, well, it's like, that's all it is for a lot of people, is Camus' final, I think, thought towards the absurd, um, like, there no being no meaning in the world, his thing was like, well, yeah, there's no meaning, so pretty much the best thing you can do is create meaning for yourself, and live through that to kind of spite the absurdity of the world. And I don't see many good alternatives to that, logically speaking, except for Christianity. Um, And that's just such a dismal way to look at life. And I don't, if those are the two options, I don't see why anyone wouldn't want to just choose Christianity where there is purpose. Yeah. I, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, Christianity is just like the poor sap's way of coping with life. Mm. Sorry that I'm happy. I guess I that's usually said by somebody who, usually the person telling that to me is unhappy with their life, depressed, or says that they're okay with like just being unhappy, so that makes them happy mm-hmm. because they're okay with it. But it's like. But why don't you be, like, a little bit more than just okay with being unhappy, which makes you happy? Why don't you just actually be happy? Mm-hmm. Cut the middleman out. Go to Costco, you know? Wholesale happiness. I don't have Costco. Oh, that's so, right. There's no Costco here. Sam's Club, Nope, baby. don't say that. But, yeah, I mean, all in all, to say, like, if you're not a Christian, give it a try. If you're thinking about being a Christian, give it a try. If you hate Christianity and you think it's dumb, 
give it a try <laughs> also if you do think that and you're still at the end of this episode thanks for listening yeah okay if you if you hate christianity with all of your heart and you're here right now in this moment in time bravo that's impressive that is impressive because that means you've well no you could have just skipped to the video and accidentally clicked here if you hate Christianity with all of your heart and you actually listen to the whole video, I mean every single second of it, and you've made it to this point right here, bravo. Bravo. Also, I hope you don't hate Christianity anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really something that we're trying to do, and that's something that came up in the comments. All the time. it seemed like a lot of people just hate Christianity in general. I mean, one of them was like the Jews wrote the gospels as a soul trap for the gentiles or something like that yeah and you know i think we were at a loss even of what to say against that or towards that because i think we just what disagree you, yeah i mean and it, I, it's hard i've never heard that before ever and yeah. i couldn't find any anything regarding that like it, that that just seemed like a one-off kind of a mm -hmm. statement like i nothing came up when i was trying to yeah. figure anything else about it but i guess to kind of address comments again like i'm sorry <laughs> i mean like I, i'm sure we're gonna say controversial things i'm sure we're gonna say things that upset people and stuff but ultimately like our goal here is our primary goal of lessons learned is to read jordan peterson or in the next season to read whatever book we pick mm -hmm. and we are Christians fundamentally. So that's going to be brought up anytime that it, that it's brought up. And even when it's not inherently brought up, we're going to talk about it. And all mm -hmm. we're trying to do here is just be open and honest. And we're not trying to make anybody upset. We're just trying to, <laughs> we're just trying to share the truth. Yeah. I think, we respect that people have different opinions um, and we try not to be disrespectful of anyone on here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can joke around about stuff, but I think even that's been pretty limited. Yeah. If at all. Um, but we take thing, we take comments seriously. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we responded to, like I said, if they have substance, we'll respond to them. And even um, some, some of them do have substance, but it's like, it's more of a statement than anything else. It's really hard to respond to statements, y'all. Like, I mean, like, it's easy when somebody, like, just completely disagrees. But even that, like, some somebody was just, like, um, they said something about being a faithlet, which is... Oh, yeah. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but they, they did a hashtag. It was, like, never submit to Jesus Christ. And I was just, like, like, we could comment... I think we did comment on that one, but that wasn't the part we talked about. No, because like, what do you say? Right. I think I think it's just outright supposed to be rude. Um, and for anyone that is Christian and listening, like, like we said at the beginning, there's always going to be people that are like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it was warned. We've been warned of that in the Bible. Yeah. Um, multiple times, and you just got to take it in stride and yeah. keep doing what you think you're supposed to do. Well, more importantly, I the important sorry yeah i think the important thing to say is um in addition to that is to not be passive 
but you also don't need to be rude. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus was never rude, but Jesus also wasn't passive. Yeah. Um, I know he says to turn the other cheek, but he's not saying that in regards to, um, oh, just let anybody do whatever you want. It, mm-hmm. I, the point is, especially is when not, it comes to defending Christianity. Yeah. The point is to not retaliate. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody's going to be rude, like, okay, then be rude. But like, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you and just tell you, you know, my beliefs and stuff and, and the truth. But if you're uninterested, then then you need to just walk away. You brought it like you usually it's like somebody brings up something rude about Christianity. The Christian tries to defend themselves. And then the person who brought it up is upset that they're trying to defend themselves. Right. So, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll do the same thing with comments. If we keep getting them in the same way, if we feel like their substance will respond, we're more than willing to explain ourselves. If something was confusing in a video, Mm -hmm. um, Seriously, if you have a question, comment. We would love, I think we would more than love if somebody was like, hey, you guys kind of said this and I didn't understand. Or like, hey, like I disagree with this. Can you explain? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would be more than willing to make a video talking about something like that. Yeah. But if you're just going to be hate, then yeah, if you want to be hateful, be hateful. It's a free country. I can't stop you. You know, I'm just sorry that like you want to be hateful. I guess like mm-hmm. it's, it's just time out of your day. It doesn't really, I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks, but it's not like a, my day's ruined. It's like, Oh, another negative comment. Actually, I run up to Evan. I'm like, Evan, we got three more comments and all of them are awful. Yeah. He literally did that yesterday. So all that's to say, if you have questions or disagree, but want to like talk about it, just let us know. Yeah. And if you want to be hateful, I'm, sorry i guess yeah we can't do much to help you yeah if you hate us then it was prophesized in the bible and you're proving us right oh boy all right well i think that's all we got for (laughs) that is all we got thanks for joining in thanks for listening to us happy thanksgiving enjoy your thanksgiving eat some turkey and if you don't like turkey is it really thanksgiving (laughs) oh boy that's controversial. That is controversial because some people hate turkeys. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> thanks have, for sticking around. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <clears throat> Enjoy your week. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.